Well, this is a special sermon for me today, um, firstly because it's part of this special service of baptism today, which is a privilege to be a part of, but also, as Andrew said, this is my final sermon here at St. Mark's. So I wanted to share with you a word that's always on my heart for God's people and a word that's central to my passion to see Jesus known and to see this world changed by the gospel. And I think this word fits in really well to our series in Ecclesiastes that we've been looking at in the last couple of weeks as we consider the question of what's really meaningful in life. What of eternal value are we actually pursuing and what legacy of ours, if any, is going to last for generations? Um, You might remember, um, if you were here a couple of weeks ago, we reflected Um, about these questions and um, Andrew we kind of had that time of just thinking about that um, more deeply for ourselves and and my thoughts went immediately to passing on the treasure of Jesus Christ especially passing it on to my children and to others that God puts in my life with the hope that they too will pass it on and that they too will pass it on and so on and so on. There's eternal value in passing on the treasure of the gospel to others. To being disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Uh, In the reading we just heard, the Apostle Paul calls the gospel a treasure. A treasure of the gospel of the glory of God in Jesus Christ. And it's living in you. This is our greatest treasure. This is the greatest gift that God has entrusted to us. Do you know how great this treasure is? Do you know how great a treasure has been given to you? Back when I was a young adult, I was super passionate about making the world a better place and about wanting to make a difference in this world. So I studied to become a social worker because I wanted to learn how to help um, change people's situations um, and their lives and I wanted to learn how to reduce inequality and injustice and poverty and suffering. And as I worked in this field, I began to see that the changes that we were able to make, if any, were surface level changes. It was like putting band-aids on to really deep wounds and really infected wounds. And the band-aid wasn't enough. What needed changing was at a much deeper level. So while working in that field, I started going to Bible college for evening classes. And although I'd been a Christian for a long time, I began to realise that the good news of Jesus was way more powerful than I had thought. That the good news of Jesus was actually the only thing that could affect change at that deeper level, at the level of the heart. That the good news of Jesus is what brings true and lasting change and transformation in people's lives. And when Jesus is experienced by groups of people and communities, that change translates into change on the mass scale to social change and to world change. The gospel of Jesus Christ isn't only about people coming into forgiveness and grace and a relationship with God, although these things are absolutely awesome. 
but it's also about what we're saved for. Being saved so that we can then be a part of God's work to save and change the world. So that we can experience the fullness of joy and the life-fulfilling privilege of giving other people the greatest gift of the love of God in Jesus. So Hilary and Abrielle, Abrielle's not quite back yet, but in your baptism today, this treasure of the gospel was sealed in you. And God wants to use your relationship with him to touch other people's lives and to change the world. Earlier this year in a sermon, I used the illustration of like um, coming across like a world-changing discovery, like a completely clean and free source of energy or the cure for cancer or something, something really huge like that that would change the world and change history for the better. Just like we wouldn't keep something like that to ourselves but would want to share it with everyone, so too with the gospel. It's a world-changing message that we should want to share. We've been entrusted with a world-changing, world-saving treasure. We can't keep it to ourselves. We've got to pass it on. Nikki Gumbel says, the greatest service that one can render another is to bring them to Jesus. So this means then that we are meant to be Disciples who make disciples, not disciples who hide the treasure and don't want to share it with anyone. It means becoming people, it means being people who are becoming like Jesus, not just so that you can be a better person, although this is awesome, but so that you can be a vessel of Jesus' glory in the world, displaying and demonstrating his love and wisdom and grace and hope and glory so others can see Jesus. So when I talk about being disciple makers, you might think, oh, okay then, I can, I can pass on God's stuff to other Christians. Christians that might be younger in their faith or, or not as far along in their spiritual journey. And yes, of course this statement is true. You should absolutely be doing this. But when does discipleship start? Does it start once people believe in Jesus or before? It starts before, doesn't it? It starts when someone begins wondering, is there more to life than this? It starts when people start thinking about whether their decisions actually have brought about any good in their lives or others. It starts when people, it starts when people start wondering why our emotions and relationships matter so much and why we yearn for fulfilment and purpose if we're supposedly just physical beings. So if discipleship starts before people become believers of Jesus, being disciples who make disciples includes sharing our treasure with those who are not yet Christians and helping people who don't yet know Jesus come to know him. And I reckon I know what you're thinking, and I often hear people expressing this statement, I'm not an evangelist. It's not my gifting. And I get it. I used to say the same thing, and it used to totally scare me. Um, Yet while that might be the case, we're not all gifted as evangelists. We are all still called to go and make disciples, 
to go and make followers of Jesus. We are all still called to always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that we have, as we just read. We are all still called to be salt and light in the world. We are all still called to show forth the treasure of the gospel through these clay jars of our broken lives and our fumbling words. In one of our recent Alpha sessions, they told the story of Albert McMakin, and I'm just going to show you this little clip. Um, hopefully, this little clip will work. Are you going to do it, Finn? And hopefully, there's sound behind it too. It's not working. I just changed it. No? Okay, I'll tell the story. Um, it's easier watching something than to listen to me, I reckon. But anyway, so, um, so there was this guy, Albert McMakin, and he um, became a Christian through um, something happening in their town. He was a farmer, just an ordinary bloke. And he um, received the gospel and gave his life to Christ. And he started inviting his friends and um, loading people up on the back of the truck to go to, to church. Um, and he wanted to invite um, his friend's son to come along, um, but his friend's son just was refusing. He was just interested in girls, um, not interested in God, didn't want to come along. And so Albert McMakin persuaded him, look, why don't you just drive the truck for us this time? And so this young man decided, okay, I'll, I'll drive the truck for you. And he went there and he decided, okay, well, I'll, I'll go in and hear what he's got to say. And um, in the words of this person, he said he was spellbound when he heard the preacher talking about Christ. Um, and so he kept going back with Albert McMakin over a few weeks. And I think, I'm not sure how many times he went, but he did um, eventually come to the front of the church, kneel down and give his life to Christ. That person was Billy Graham. And he went on, most of you know what Billy, Billy Graham's legacy was. He went on to preach to millions of people around the world. He had a radio broadcast that shared the gospel with apparently over half the world's population through TV and radio. He was this incredible evangelist, right? God did amazing things through Albert McMakin, through Billy Graham. We're not all Billy Grahams, but we can all be like Albert McMakin and invite a friend along. We can all be like Albert McMakin and share our faith with a friend and help bring our friends to Jesus. He didn't know the impact that his invitation would have around the world. And it's the same when we share Jesus with others. We don't know what God is going to do with that and the impact that that might have. So if we can accept that God has entrusted the treasure of the gospel to us, to pass it on to others, what are our other reasons for hesitating? I think a big one is that we don't believe in ourselves. We don't believe that we've got the skill or the ability to be able to share our story or to talk about Christianity with others. Maybe we're not sure how to explain the gospel. Maybe we think we're not mature enough as Christians. Maybe we doubt that what we've got to share is relevant for others. So in other words, we kind of think we're completely inept. We don't believe that it's possible 
that we could lead someone to know Jesus. And I reckon the greatest hindrance to our effectiveness in evangelism isn't other people's unbelief, but our own. Let me say that again. The greatest hindrance to our effectiveness in evangelism isn't other people's unbelief, but our own. And this unbelief spirals into doubt and then into fear. But what are we afraid of? Losing face? Losing friends? Yes, those things are possible. But I think if we are authentic in who we are, and authentic as people who believe in Jesus, won't we gain a greater respect for being true to our faith and true to ourselves rather than embarrassed by it? In our reading from 1 Peter, the Apostle Peter says this, don't fear them, don't be frightened, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience. Don't be frightened, but revere Christ as Lord. Robert J. Morgan, he's a Christian author and teacher, he says that the essence of fear is the sin of forgetfulness. Forgetting the fathomless omnipotence of the Lord Jesus Christ and his truth. Have we forgotten the fathomless power of the Lord Jesus Christ? Have we forgotten the power of his truth? Have we forgotten the fathomless power of the gospel, which is the power of God to save? When we let our hesitancies and our inadequacies and our doubts and our fears stop us from passing on the treasure of the gospel, When we make it about ourselves, we are effectively minimizing the power and the light of God within us. Why did God choose you? I'll go back to that, sorry. Why did God choose you? Why did God choose to save you? Was it because of something you did? No. It was all His grace. It was all his initiative out of his love for you. So why don't we then continue in that grace? Why do we now make it about ourselves? Why do our inadequacies and our brokenness now become bigger than his grace? We read in our reading from 2 Corinthians today, he has chosen to shine in your hearts. He has chosen out of his mercy towards you to give you the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. He has chosen to place within you, one like a jar of clay, the treasure of his all-surpassing power. Why? To show himself, to show his glory through you to be glorified even through the cracks of your brokenness and ordinariness. So friends, stop worrying about yourself. Stop saying to yourself, I can't possibly do that. And start believing in God's grace to work through you. Start believing that God's chosen you, entrusted you and called you to pass on that treasure of his glory in Jesus Christ.
Our other big area of unbelief is that we don't believe in the efficacy of the gospel, the power of the gospel to affect change. We think that the words that we share with others about God, about Jesus, about forgiveness, about healing and life in him, we think they're ineffective, that they will just fall to the ground and be lost. Maybe we've had those experiences where we've tried to bring an encouragement or try to share a bit about who Jesus is with someone and it's gone nowhere. Maybe we've been so discouraged that we don't even try anymore. But God doesn't want us to minimise his capacity to work through our words, especially when the words we speak, um, which are about Jesus. Listen to this from Isaiah 55, verses 10 and 11. I love this. Just as rain and snow descend from the skies and don't go back until they've watered the earth, doing their work of making things grow and blossom, producing seed for farmers and food for the hungry. So will the words that come out of my mouth not come back empty-handed. They'll do the work I sent them to do. They'll complete the assignment I gave them. When we speak the message of God, the message of the gospel of Jesus, which he has told us to do and given us authority to do, we are in effect speaking his words. And those words will not return to him empty or void. They will not be for nothing, but will accomplish his will and purpose. Now, of course, I'm not talking about Bible bashing. The mode, the way that we share it is just as important. Peter tells us to share our hope with sensitivity and gentleness and respect. But sometimes the pendulum, you know, it swings too far where it becomes more about demonstrating the gospel through the way we live our lives, but never actually about sharing it with our words. But God uses our words, God uses our words as we tell others about him. They are the power of God to save. When I came to realise this years ago, it was incredibly releasing. My confidence was no longer in my words or myself or how I'm going to do this, um, but in God's complete and perfect capacity to do the work he needed to do through his gospel. And knowing this empowered me to try it with far less fear. I remember soon after that realisation, I was praying for a friend and I felt God prompt me to um, ask them if they wanted to catch up for a coffee. This friend wasn't a Christian and she had been, she was going through actually some really tough mental health challenges and I wanted to just catch up with her and encourage her. Um, I wanted to give her a little New Testament Bible and I wanted to just listen to her. Um, and due to some pretty intensive treatment that she was receiving at the time, she wasn't actually able to come out and, and catch up with me. She just wasn't in the headspace at the time in that season of her life. So I ended up writing her a letter and um, sending her the Bible um, and I didn't hear a reply and we haven't actually connected really ever since. I don't know if anything I, in that letter touched her. I don't know if she ever picked up the Bible and read it. I don't know what's happened. And I remember at that time, I just felt fairly disappointed. I felt like, God, you told me to do this. I stepped out in faith. 
not, didn't kind of go anywhere. Sometime later again, um, I was praying for another friend and God again prompted me, why don't you go and ask that friend, Viv, if she wants to catch up with you for lunch every week for you know, 10 weeks and why don't you ask her if she wants to read the Bible with you? Now that was a big stretch for me. <laughs> Even for me, yes, even for me, it was a big stretch. <laughs> um, and when I asked her, I just assumed she'd say no. Um, but she said yes. She said yes. And with an enthusiasm that I wasn't expecting. So we caught up, and I admit I felt awkward that first time at the cafe in the city um, when we opened up the Gospel of Mark and read it, started reading it out loud together. I felt awkward, it was a bit weird. Um, but it had an impact on her. She, um, I think after our second catch-up, she was clearly touched by God's love afresh. She was touched by the timing of our connection because of some really challenging things and grief and confronting things about death that she was going through in her life at that time. She was touched by my prayers for her. And through our 10 weeks or so of catching up, she... Um, her faith and her connection with Jesus was rekindled. And I was so encouraged. So if you've had discouraging encounters, don't give up. There could be an encouraging encounter just on the horizon. Don't give up. And never think that those words that you've spoken will be for nothing. Because we might never know the impact of our words. We might never see the change. We might never know that one day, in a time of that person's greatest need, those words of hope might be right there at the front of that person's mind. That one day those words might help bring that person to faith. Friends, our, our confidence isn't in ourselves, but in God and the efficacy, the power of his message to change people's hearts and lives. Our confidence is in Jesus and in his world-changing message. So my prayer for you is that you will be people who are not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation. May you be people who realise the worth of this treasure that he's entrusted to you. Jars of clay that you are. The treasure he's placed in you is to share. So I'm going to leave you with this question. Who are you passing on this treasure to? May God work in those relationships with those people and give you the confidence to share your treasure with them. Amen.